My name is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips, success strategies, and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now, please do like, share, and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening, and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. What a first guest I have for you today, the recently appointed CEO of Pret-a-Manger, Pano Cristo. Now, this man started his career at Pret 20 years ago. He worked his way all the way to the top of the organisation. And what's more, he was actually declined by Pret the first time he applied for a job. If that doesn't demonstrate resilience and drive, I don't know what does. Now, what I notice about Pano is his clear passion for his people and how his humility shines through. He heads up a company with the strapline, Be Better. Growth mindset in a nutshell. Pano, it's an absolute delight to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm here in your head office. It's such a den of inspiration, sort of open plan. There's a real buzz about the place and you can tell that your leadership is kind of oozing all the way through it, which is amazing. Thank you. Now, to get you in the success mindset for today's podcast, I would like to have what I call a shake your pom-poms moment, which is all about you being your own cheerleader. And if you wouldn't mind, to share your three proudest moments with us. So I have to say probably proudest moment number one is having my children. I have uh, two beautiful boys, uh, Rafael and Alejandro, seven and 10 years old, so keep me very busy. (laughs) I'd probably say my second proudest moment was becoming a general manager in prep. Okay. So it's interesting because most people would expect me to say becoming prep CEO. But actually, once I became a manager in Pret and was running my own business in my own shop, that was a, a, a real proud moment for me. And then my third proudest moment was, I guess I have to say, uh, becoming the CEO of Pret. But it's really quite, quite it, it's an interesting one because I've always toyed between becoming, when I became Pret's UK managing director and the CEO of Pret because they were both extremely proud moments for me. And I could probably sit here and tell you about another five proud moments as well. <laughs> uh, but we'll leave it at those. No, I absolutely love that. And it'd be wonderful to hear a little bit more about your career, I suppose. Because am I right in saying you started at McDonald's? I did. So I was kind of 16 years old, out of school, into college, wanted a part-time job. So started to work at McDonald's two days a week. Friday nights and Saturdays during the day. So I'd kind of finish college Friday afternoon and literally start my shift at five o'clock, working till midnight. And it was in the, the McDonald's drive through on the Wandsworth Roundabout. Oh, the glamour. Uh, just by the Wandsworth Bridge uh, in South London. And, and really, that's, that's kind of my where I really fell in love with hospitality. And literally, when I finished college, I took the decision not to go to university to my parents' displeasure. My mother was very upset at the time, as you can imagine. 
I just said, actually, I, I wanted to go full time at McDonald's and really loved hospitality, kind of every day is a different day, the interaction with people, the opportunity to work with food, which I love. And then from there, really, I spent four, just over four years at McDonald's and moved all the way up to a manager. And, and that's really when I, well, it's a friend of mine that worked for McDonald's that joined Prep and said, actually, I, I know about this company, I've got a great product, there's a few stores in London. I'd never been to, to a prep. I'd never heard of a prep. It was really quite daunting 20 years ago, whereas nobody had grab-and-go. Prep was really the first company to do grab-and-go in, in the UK. You was used to paying for food and then picking it up after you paid, where actually you have it in your hands and then go to pay. Yes. So um, the first time around, didn't get the job, applied a year or so later, and I've done 10 different roles in the last 20 years. Wow. So it's been a fantastic ride some real highs, some lows as well, yes. but you know, it, it's just organically kind of grow, grown myself as the business has grown as well. And what's been the drive then through all of those years, you know, going from kind of the basics all the way to the top of the organization, what is it that has kept you keeping on on those days when it's been tough? I'd probably say that I'm, I'm the type of character that I'm continually wanting to evolve myself I'm quite a restless character, so I continually want to improve things. I never really like to rest on my laurels, and I think that's really helped me. And I love learning. I'm totally relaxed about what I know and what I don't know. Oh, I I'm, uh, you know, a big believer of having a fantastic team around you to collaborate with. I'm not the command and control type of leader that ha- thinks they know all the answers. Yes. Uh, but I, I love to spend time developing teams that are great, fantastic, intelligent individuals that are given the opportunity and chance to do the jobs they're paid to do to the best of their ability. And, and, and also as well, the fact to create an environment where it's okay to, to make mistakes oh, uh, and learn from those mistakes. Try and learn from those mistakes first time around. But I, I think that's been a, a big piece in my career and, and, and the teams I've developed around me. It's interesting because I met someone earlier today that said to me, did you always think you'd become CEO? And obviously the obvious answer is no. Uh, I've always taken the philosophy that focus on your job to the best of your ability and things will come to you. Okay. And I think that sometimes people can think or focus too much on the next job and then drop too many balls in the current job they're doing. So I've always really tried to stay focused and that's generally worked well. And and I think perhaps an organization that if you work hard and you do a great job, people will notice you. And we're quite a flat organization as well. We don't have many layers within the organization. So people do get noticed. We're kind of at that size and stage that we are, we're big, but not big that you're just lost within the organization. And, and what do you look for then in people in terms of, you know, filling the gaps that perhaps you've got so that you get a really strong and robust team? Well, I say my, my, my experience and is, is predominantly around retail and operations. And that's the thing I know, like my, the back of my hand. So bringing in great people that have got great experience in food, in marketing and technology. And I think it's, I'm a big believer you, you can recruit people with great skills but people can learn skills and evolve their skills. It's very hard to recruit a character. And, and I think for me, I spend a lot of time trying to understand what really makes the individual tick. And the people that, that work with me, I'm as interested, if not more interested, on how they tick kind of personally and how they operate as an individual more than what their general experience and skill set is, which is obviously important. 
But I think from my perspective, the other side, in particular in senior leadership, balance is probably a term that is used a lot. But I think for me, it's it, it, it's so important in senior leadership positions that you do have a good balance between what you do when you're at work and what you do when you're away from work. And what do you like to do then when you're away from work to kind of keep your mindset strong and keep you... So I would say it's probably in recent years taken up more of my time spending with my kids because I think that that, you know, they're at a stage in their life that they probably don't see me as much as I'd like. But as and when I have time to spend with them, for me, it's very important to have that focused quality time with them. So I'd say that's where I spend most of my time. But at the same time, you know, trying to keep fit and exercise, which is (laughs) always an upward battle. But really, I think family life, and keeping fit are probably the, the things that I have to keep me occupied when I'm when I'm not around. But it's, you know, with us, you know, Pret operates in, you know, we kind of operate in four different markets across three different continents, so the US, Europe, and Asia. So trying to keep close to our teams kind of across those continents, working at different time zones, makes it, let's just say, interesting when it comes to managing your time. So do you travel a lot then, or are you predominantly based here? Most of my time is in the UK, but I'd... Do probably go to the US between once a month and once every other month. Go to Asia probably three or four times a year. Obviously, recently I've had to cancel a few trips. So I think over the next few months I'll be staying put in London. But yeah, there's there's a um, good chunk of my time that's traveling. But I think as well, what what I often find from traveling, even though it's great to spend time with our teams in the US, in Western Europe and and, and in Hong Kong as, as well as the UK, but it actually gives me a lot of reflection time when I'm traveling that by myself. Yeah. And that's where I probably come up with most of my ideas and thoughts and <laughs> where my team are probably more so bombarded with me. They're probably from, thinking, from, no, we want to fly together. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's how you utilize the time that you have to have, I, I always say a good amount of time to reflect. Yeah. I think as well, it's, I, I do think often as people work at such a pace, they don't often give themselves enough time to reflect. And I think, Again, it's I found as, as, as my career has evolved, the more time you can give to reflection, the better quality decisions you, you make uh, over time. And I guess that's the whole kind of meditation piece as well. So uh, do you practice meditation or is it sort of the thinking on the plane? Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I have done it sporadically in, in the past, but I would say that more so it's... Cause, cause I, I, I have the the fortune of having a lot of time to to myself, so I'll just kind of kick back and relax, listen to some music, or just kind of sit back, kind of scribbling notes in my notepad, which people often see me <laughs> carrying around everywhere, which obviously I have here right next to me now. So, well, let's talk about resilience because when I was watching your blog video and and it talks about the fact that you applied for the job and didn't get it, if that doesn't demonstrate resilience, the fact that you reapplied, I don't know what does, but I'm interested to know how you kind of cope with things when they don't go well and and how you position that, I suppose, with people in your teams as well. Well, I think it's always good to have people within your network that are not attached to work. So you can have almost a different sounding board that helps you when you have those challenges come up, come amongst you. I also think as well, people often say to me, how can you grow throughout a company or grow your career? And I also, there's only one limiting factor and that's yourself. And I think that you have to believe in yourself and you have to think that anything's possible. So I think in, in response to your point on resilience, you need to have the confidence to think to yourself, actually, 
this may be a blip or you know this is the solution that comes out of this problem that helps you kind of leapfrog and move forward and i think you need you need to have that confidence which only really comes with time and maturity but it, it, there's always a fine line with confidence and arrogance totally. and i think it's <laughs> how you can ascertain that balance over time because what you don't want to be is a person who's high on arrogance high on ego and don't get me wrong you probably need an element of ego to kind of drive yourself through but it's how you can do it with humility yes is for me the, the most important thing and i'm very open to you know as i said before if there's something i don't know if i've made a mistake i'm very open to say you know when somebody's hit you and you kind of saying actually hands up yeah you know we've made a mistake but we'll learn from that mistake and we'll move forward with that so that's kind of what I would describe as vulnerability. Is that how you describe vulnerability? Yeah, I, and I, th- I think as well, in, in, in leadership, you need to find your own authentic position. Yeah. I think that you need to have the confidence within yourself to show vulnerability. And again, it's something we talk about quite actively in prep that it's okay to, to be vulnerable. And I think it's okay to not to think to yourself, if I show vulnerability, I show weakness. Yes. And I think that, I think society within leadership and business is starting to move towards that. I still think there's a long way to go. I, I just think we're probably in a, in a sector that is probably a little bit more accepting and, and within a brand that is probably a little bit more accepting of that. I think so. So, so I think from, from that perspective, you know, it's, and, and that's to my earlier point when I kind of bring people into prep, when it's not just about the skills, it's about the other side as well, because I think that it's, I want to know when somebody's had a crap day. I want to know when somebody doesn't feel good because I think that if you don't know that, you can't act on that, you can't support that and you can't move on from that. So how do you support the well-being of your teams? So for me, it's all about creating an environment that people feel safe to speak up. I I think it's as simple as that and really that needs to be spearheaded by the leaders in the business. And I often spend a lot of time out in our shops talking to our teams in our shops, talking to our managers in our shops. And you can really get a sense and a feel for a good manager. Uh, and it's not just because they've got great sales metrics, they've got great profit <laughs> metrics. It's, it's the whole piece. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's there's no hiding the fact that we, we, we do exit interviews when people leave Pret, and one of the number one reasons that people leave is because of their boss. Okay. And I think for me, this is a, if generally, if you're happy working for your boss, you're gonna, you're gonna stick around. Uh, but again, I think that the boss needs to create that environment that people can speak up. And uh, we do an annual survey, kind of what we call press big conversations, so like an opinion survey. Yeah. Um, and one of the questions that we have on there is, do you feel comfortable to speak to your boss? So again, that gives, that feeds up by department, by leader, to give people a sense and understanding how their team are feeling yeah, about nice. them as an individual and about the openness of them. Obviously, it's completely anonymous. So yeah, I think that's that's for me. It, it's you, you have to create that environment. And I think as a leader, you can create those environments because you have the power to do that. Yeah, and I think when it's coming from the top and it's disseminating through the organisation, they see you role modelling those behaviours, they're more likely to, to pick up on that. So I, I very much think that that culture definitely comes from the top and then for sure. goes through the organisation. For sure. So if we turn it back to you and we talk about sort of the lessons that you've learned along the way, what would be the big ones? I would say that I'm, by nature, I'm quite impatient and can be quite impulsive, especially <laughs> when, I'm, I, when I'm under stress. And I think the learns for me is, you know, I think the term that, that, that many people use is how you can really slow down to speed up. 
Oh, I love so, that. So I think that for me is, 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 is a key thing. And, and again, as I, as I said, over time, you, you get better at managing your, you know, your opportunity areas. Yeah. And I'd say that when I'm under stress, I will be much more reactive, probably much more bullish. And that can have a negative effect on the people around you. And it can be perceived as kind of a bit scattergun approach. Yes. So from my, my perspective, it's, that, that, that's a key thing to keep hold of. So how do you do that? How do you manage your stress? Well, I'd say that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, t- the time to reflect on things is a good source of reflection. I um, Generally, what I do is when I have time away from work, I'm I actually my weekends when I'm away from work is quite full of activities and things to do <laughs> with the boys, yeah. with the boys, with my wife, because I know that if I can, when I'm doing different things away from work, it takes my mind away from work. Yes. If I'm at home just relaxing for the whole day, I'll probably more likely think about work or think about business. So my way to kind of de-stress and relax is keeping my mind occupied with things that are not work-driven. Yeah. And I think that that that's generally worked well for me and has that changed from 10 years ago because kind of stress 10 years ago was very different in the way that it was perceived to how it is now well-being wasn't so much of a thing so it was it different back then yeah I'd, I'd, I'd say it's more different not because how stress has changed over the years but more so at how I've changed over the years with different responsibilities around family in particular but I think that I often say the world is a much smaller place today than it was 10 years ago, you know, with the likes of social media and how that has connected the world more so for good or for bad. I think everyone has a specific view on that. But also as well, I think because you have such strong connectivity 24-7 through your mobile phones, it can easily drive your stress levels up much faster because, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you'd finish from work at six or seven o'clock in the evening and there won't really be, there's, there was no emails. Yes, yeah. So you can work, come back in the morning. If there was an emergency, somebody would maybe give you a call or send you a text message. Where if there's an emergency at 10 o'clock at night, you'll get an email at 10 o'clock at night. And if you look at your email at 10 o'clock at night, you'll be looking at it until uh, <laughs> one, o'clock one o'clock in the morning. So I, I do think that that brings an element of it's just a different type of stress to people's lives. And I, I think that that's, could be for myself that could be for anyone just because of how the the, the environment and the world has changed under uh, under the likes of social media and just connectivity connectivity is so much better now than it was 10 years ago but again that there's positives from that but negatives from that i guess it's boundaries isn't it and making sure that you set those so that you're not on social media 24 7 correct it's very tempting to do that. yes but talking about social media, one of the things that I've noticed since you have got the big job um, is your use of social media and how you're using it to celebrate your people and their stories, which I just really love. So it'd be lovely to just hear a little bit more about that and what you're trying to achieve with that. Well, it kind of, it, it's funny because it, it happened really ad hocly. So there was not much thought behind it at all. And I, I was just really taken back by the response I had through social media. Yeah. And just the appreciation that people have of what we are trying to do as a business with our people. And I think there's many great things that PrEP does, whether it's the way that we interact with our suppliers, whether it's the way that we interact with our PrEP Foundation, which is the charity that we oversee, kind of giving away food to the homeless every single day within our shops. We do a lot of work bringing kind of homeless and ex-offenders, trying to bring them into the working environment. But we've never really spoken that much about the, the fantastic stories we have 
about our people. And yes, I'm an example of that working for PrEP for 20 years and having a, a great career through PrEP. But there are many stories similar to mine. And I think that I think there's an opportunity to share that with people because I, I think that often people kind of undervalue the hospitality sector. Yes, I would agree. Um, and I think that, you know, it is a great sector to work in. You can craft some fantastic careers through that. And, you know, people continue to want to eat and yes. they will continue to want to eat for years to come. People's eating habits are changing and evolving. People are eating out more. And we'll continue to eat out more. I, I can remember, again, probably 20, 30 years ago, you would have never dreamt of buying breakfast outside, you know, out, out as you, on your way into work. You'd always have breakfast before you went to work. And that has just changed significantly. So it's, it's a great sector and environment to work in. I think there are so many terrific companies that have developed so many great people. And I think from, from my side, I'm just trying to share the story of Pret and, and what we do with our people a little bit more broadly. And you've had so much success, but if you were to roll forward perhaps three years, what is success going to look like for you? So I would say that success for me is that Pret, we continue to grow Pret to a fantastic international brand that has a great second brand in Veggie Pret that, that will be growing at great pace. We will be much more technology relevant and we won't lose what I call the magic of Pret in regards to how we deal with our people and, and our focus on great quality products. And what about kind of the whole plastic thing as well? Because I heard you talking about that and that's probably something that you'll be trying to commit to. Yes. Well, <laughs> it's, 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 easy. it's not easy, but I think that it's something we need to look at and we need to address and it's yes it's prep but it, it, it's everyone that needs to, to to address this i have my eldest son that talks to me about it i have customers that talk to me about it i have my wife that talks to me about it and and notwithstanding the fact that i look at our fridges when i walk into our shops and we have a lot of plastic so there are steps that we are starting to take now to reduce that usage we are you know we've moved to uh, wooden knife and forks yeah. we have water fountains in the store so customers have the opportunity to fill up their bottles of water instead of buying a plastic bottle of water we have the biggest kind of uh, coffee recycling cup discount on the market yeah. 50 pence discount and almost 10 percent of our customers now come in with a reusable cup and i think within our fridges we're we're playing with a whole multitude of different packaging solutions to reduce the, the amount of plastic that we have within our fridges. Again, there is no silver bullet and, and no solution tomorrow. But I think that the me, myself and the team work in kind of night and day and hard to ensure that we do have a solution on how we move forward over the coming years. So it's in your sights and you'll be able to measure the impact that you're having. Yes, well. yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I think, it's, like I said, I speak to... CEOs and other businesses as well and, and, and you know it's 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 a big problem you know across the world not just uh, totally. you know here <clears throat> totally so you have children and I have children of a similar age and in my house we play this thing called the five second game rule and what that is pal is I will ask you a question and you'll have five seconds to give me the three answers to the question okay so no pressure whatsoever but I know you're going to be brilliant at this Okay, I'll so give it a go. <laughs> you're ready. He's, he's adjusting himself in the chair, ready. <laughs> so, in the five second game rule, I'd like you to name three things that you're grateful for. My mother, my wife, 
my children, and Pret. Oh, four things. Four things, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about gratitude as a thing? I need three answers. Just uh, one. Uh, okay. Just one for this one. Gratitude is, I think, it's it, it's something we don't. I guess something we take for granted. Mm. I would say, uh, and and something, and, and I even say myself, I'm don't do it as much as I think I should or could. We ha we have a, a a term in prep that we call catching people doing things right to give people the opportunity to to, to give back and give gratitude when somebody's done something. Nice. But again, it's one of those things internally you always think to yourself, just not doing it enough, and it. It doesn't come front of mind as much as I would like it to. And it's a real kind of stepping stone to that self-belief that you talked about earlier, mm. isn't it? Leaning into all of the great things that you have and that you do rather than kind of focusing on what you're not doing and that you don't have. So sure. I like to encourage it with my clients all the time. And let's do another one because you're so good at okay. that. <laughs> so in the five second game rule, can you give me three things that you would take to a desert island? I would take my mobile phone. Off. <laughs> of course. I would take my family. I'll use that as one example. And, ooh, I'd probably take a nice bottle of red wine. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Which one would you have? I'd have a Rioja. My... And a bottle opener, of course. Of course, yes, of course. you might drop some when you smash the end. Yeah. Okay, so final question. It's the big question. What do you believe is the secret to success? I would say the secret to success is, is just believing in yourself. I really do. I, I think, you know, as I said earlier, that is the only limitation that people have it is, is their self. And psychologically, um, you, you not, might not achieve what you want to achieve, but if you've got the belief, and I think the belief without arrogance, kind of the belief, yes. then, then then I think for me that is that is the thing. And, and it's, it's interesting... Um, you may have seen, I, I sent a post out a few weeks ago about the young chap Isaac, 16-year-old yes. uh, child that, that works for us. And I, I think for me, it's particularly important for younger people, teenagers, and people that are coming from school within to the working environment. Because I think that if I could tell Pano at 16 years old <laughs> something now, I would say that, you know, just believe in yourself more because there's more you can achieve if you believe in yourself. And I think if, if I can, with my experience, give that back to that next generation to help them accelerate their learning and their confidence, then for me, that, that, that's an important thing. I totally agree. It's all about the stories we tell ourselves, isn't it? And for sure. Keeping that self-talk positive is so key. Yeah, for sure. And you're a role model to those people. I mean, you know, to go from working in the shops to now heading up your business... It's just so inspirational for people to watch. Well, thank sure. you. And, uh, well, thank you. I have really enjoyed interviewing you. I'm so grateful to you for agreeing. So um, no, it's you. been uh, it's been fun. No, thank you. And you know, it's it's great to, to to spend some time here today with you. Thank you, and I wish you all the very best. Thank you very much. I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did. Be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode. And do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.